Mike Rags and Todd Burlidge with a Blue Gold Report podcast. Fighting Irish sports from the inside out. Subscribe to the Blue Gold Report. It's not just talk, it's the Blue Gold Report. Hello, everybody. It is Mike Rags, Todd Burlidge, Blue Gold Report. I uh, hope you're ready for another edition of the show and podcast. Of course, wherever you listen to the podcast, make sure you rate and review us. And as always, it's brought to you by D.O. McComb and Sons Funeral Homes. And if you're listening on Saturday morning, uh, welcome as well, because the Fighting Irish, Pre- Fighting Irish Preview is coming up right after us as we get ready for the big uh, game senior day with Boston College at Notre Dame Stadium. We'll break that down. Got some hoops to get to as well as the women fall out of the top 25 for the first time in what feels like forever. Todd will break down what their last weeks were and so much more. Todd, how you doing, my friend? Doing well, Rags. How are you, sir? Not too bad. Of course, Todd Burlidge, uh, senior writer over at Blue Gold Illustrated. I'll tell you why. Watching that game last week, that game was over early. I don't remember them manhandling Navy like that in quite some time, Todd. No, I was surprised right out of the gate, Rags. Um, when no- Navy won the toss, I thought, well, you have to take the ball if you're Navy. You want to shorten the game, maximize possessions, all that. And then they gave Notre Dame the ball. I, and obviously it wasn't going to make a whole heck of a lot of difference. Notre Dame goes right down and scores, and then Navy can't hold on to the football, and you're right. When you drop the ball three times on your first five possessions, and you're Navy, and you're playing Notre Dame, it's not going to end well, and it ended 52-20. to 20. And that's not well if you're doing math at home. <laughs> um, so a nice easy win, and it's interesting. Um, uh, you know, we'll break down we'll break down the game a little bit more and senior day and all that kind of fun stuff. But the one neat, neat stat that I saw, you know, he he'd have trouble in November in the past. The last two years, BK in November, he can go undefeated two years in a row. That's pretty amazing, actually. Yeah, it really is, and uh, perhaps the more amazing thing, if he can run the table here in November, it's seldom that you get five games in November, and uh, Notre Dame obviously does this year, so you beat Boston College at home this weekend, go out and beat Stanford, you end up 5-0 and in November. It hasn't happened at Notre Dame for a Notre Dame coach since Newt Rockney. Not one single coach along the way has been had a 5-0 and November since Newt Rockney. And you're looking at likely two wins as well. You know, you never know what's going to happen out west, but they really should sure. handle Boston College this weekend. We'll talk about that and so much more. But we start every show, like Todd does, with some blue gold nuggets. So why should this show be any different? What do you got, Todd? A little soft week, Rags. I have to do some hunting here, but I uh, found a couple. found three, actually. I'm not in love with any of them, but we'll run them down the chute here anyways. Uh, some rumor from the rumor mill. Florida State, when head coach Willie Taggart was fired on November 3rd, obviously the rumor mill started there. And Bud Elliott of Nolcast during a podcast slash radio show, uh, citing some other, some anonymous sources, of course. We never hear that anymore. Um, citing some anonymous sources said that uh, the Florida State Seminoles are very interested in trying to pull Brian Kelly out of Notre Dame. They like the fact that he's been a great recruiter and obviously a recruiting hotbed there in Florida, which Taggart didn't ta- tap into very well. Plus, they like the fact, uh, again, according to this Elliott guy, that he's really good at hiring staff members, and uh, uh, Brian Kelly's proven to do that well up here. I don't know, Rags. Brian Kelly's 58. He kind of has it humming along here a little bit. I think uh, at this point in his career, unless it's an NFL gig, I can't see him jumping ship to another college, but never say never in this business. You know that. Uh, moving on to something that's really not built for radio. This tells you just how much I was struggling to find blue gold nuggets. When you're talking about uniforms, alternate uniforms on radio, that's kind of bad radio. But Notre Dame will bust out some new uniforms here against Boston College. 
It's their Heritage uh, uniform. It's going to celebrate both the 1988 championship team and 150 years of Notre Dame football. So a little bit of a throwback look, the black cleats, um, some uh, sort of 88-looking patches on the shoulders. So something to watch there. So if you don't recognize the team coming out of the tunnel, you listen to this podcast so you'll be able to piece it together. Only one injury to report, that sophomore linebacker Shane Simon. He is done for the year. It's a torn patella that requires surgery. Sounded painful, sounded torn, sounded dislocated, sounded like the whole works. I keep thinking Shane Simon is going to bust out and have a great year, and maybe he still will. I actually thought he was one of the highest-powered recruits that came in with that freshman class last year. Hasn't really happened so far, and now he's going to be on the shelf with a surgery. Brian Kelly did suggest he should be full contact by spring. Uh, Hamilton's fine. Braden Lindsay's fine. Uh, they got dinged up a little bit in the Navy game, and those are your blue gold nuggets. All right, good stuff there. As abbreviated as it might be, you got three out of it, and the first one, you know, is 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 a worthy topic as to whether or not FSU could pry BK away. I mean, the almighty dollar, I guess, eventually would do the talking, but I mean, he's making a ton of money here, like you said, to uproot everything to go down there that's not a guaranteed win situation right right. a lot of work going into it so you're talking four years in before you can even start reaping some rewards that seems seems like a lot of work for you know and and he's getting up there in years as you pointed out i don't know that's a bit of a reach uh for him to go down there yeah uh, that is a total rebuilding project rags i think you made the point of all you're probably going to be in place four years before you even start to see anything football when you kind of really go down the slide here, it's not something. Basketball, if you get a couple of really good players, you can flip it all overnight. doesn't happen so much in football. So, yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, Brian Kelly seems very much entrenched and very happy here and certainly with the recruiting rolling along, and he enjoys his staff very much. Uh, I don't think he's gone anywhere, but, of course, that NFL job, I think, will always be in the back of Brian Kelly's head. That is true. That I would agree with. And, again, money should never be an issue to lose a coach at Notre Dame. We we know this. <laughs> right, <laughs> um, right. All right, before we get to senior day and uh, Boston College this weekend, real quick, I mean, Navy recap. We, we kind of summed it up in a few sentences to start yeah, the right. show. But, really, uh, Navy didn't seem like the Navy we grew up with and watched. Very undisciplined, a lot of mistakes early. And like you said, a team that can control the ball as much as they're able to control the ball, to give up that ball right away when you win the coin toss, it it was a little head-scratching, to say the least. Yeah, probably wouldn't have mattered the way things played out. But indeed, you know, Navy takes care of the football. Everything Navy is supposed to do, as you just mentioned, Rags, they did not do. And when you turn the ball over four times and you lose a 4 nothing turnover uh, deficit in that game, uh, four fumbles there. You're not going to win it. You're not going to beat Notre Dame. Um, it was interesting because Notre Dame recovered four fumbles. It jumped them up to number two in the country in fumbles recovered this year. The Irish have 14. Illinois leads the uh, nation with 16. Obviously, you can't talk about this game without talking about Chase Claypool. Unreal. Wow. You know, I have to give Mason Plummer credit. He sat in last week, and I was kind of talking about how Navy had sort of beefed up his front line and his linebackers as far as size and strength and those types of things. And he kind of said, yeah, that's all fine and dandy, but watch what Chase Claypool does over these short little DBs. And I guess <laughs> I guess he called that uh, seven receptions, 117 yards, four TDs, only the second Irish wide receiver in the history of the program to catch four TDs in one game. I won't bother asking you, Rags, because I would have never known. Uh, the second dude, although we have heard of, uh, was Maurice Stovall mm. in 2006 against BYU. Certainly, uh, that, that's really all you need to say. Uh, the defense was adequate. 
Um, it was 52 points, third time this season that the Irish have scored at least 50. They had 66 against New Mexico and 52 against Bowling Green State University. Uh, that hadn't happened where Notre Dame has scored 50 or more in three games in a season since Lou Holt's final year in 96 when he did it four times. So, yeah, you're exactly right, Rags. This was not the team that was advertised. It was a ranked Navy team. It was the first time Notre Dame and Navy had played as ranked opponents going all the way back to 1978. So Navy didn't hold up their end of the deal. Yeah, and you bring up Claypool. That, that uh, He should bring that video to the Combine and play it on a loop and say, hey, yeah. maybe I can do this in the pros. That was really impressive stuff. Again, uh, the, 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 the team he's playing... It, it is what it is, and it's always this glaring thing when you look at Notre Dame and the teams they lose to and the teams they beat, and they yeah, always mm-hmm. seem to have one thing in common, Todd, and it is uh, they, 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 the really good teams they can't seem to get over the hump with, and these other teams they've been manhandling uh, quite recently now in the last few years. Yeah. you know, and it, it didn't used to be that way with BK. They played down a lot of teams' level. It doesn't seem to happen as much anymore. I guess that's one good thing. But boy, oh boy, it'd be nice to get a huge win every once in a while. Yeah, we're in that same boat, Rags. That's a, you, you mentioned Claypool's loop with his great touchdown catches, but certainly Notre Dame's in that same loop when it comes to playing the elite versus playing the average or lower-tier teams. But certainly Ian Book, with all the complaining we were doing about him during these lower two teams, he's holding up his end of the bargain, as he always seems to. What is that? Four touchdowns against Duke two games ago, now five touchdowns against Navy. And he did that in like one half. Uh, I mean, you, you can't, you just have to go right back to the fumbles. The four fumbles led to 28 Notre Dame points. So there you go. You got beat by 32. So so I think that's the storyline of the game. But certainly, uh, Irish are humming along now, no doubt about it. If they could have pulled off one of that Georgia-Michigan mm. sort of duo there, that I'd be interesting to see where they were sitting. Yeah, the what-ifs is really going to bug a lot of Notre Dame fans. There's no doubt about that, uh, especially that Michigan game. That one is going to sting. You know, it's kind of turned Michigan's season around, too, if you haven't yeah. taken notice. They actually still have a shot to make the college playoff if they can somehow figure out a way to beat Ohio State. So, but this yeah. isn't this isn't the amazing gold report. This is the uh, blue gold report. Uh, let's talk about Senior Day. Uh, it really, seems like they've got themselves a, a, a nice win under their belt for Senior Day. Um, I, I'm, I'm looking at Boston College. I see nothing, Todd. Uh, let's talk about the seniors first. What who who's going to be in the spotlight? Who we, who are we never going to see again? I guess. Yeah, we'll start there. And some pretty powerful players here. The eight players that we know are gone for sure. They don't have any kind of 50-year option or anything like that. Uh, you're talking about Buck linebacker Asmar Bilal. He's really had a nice year. A little bit quiet, a little bit overshadowed by Kyle Hamilton and, and some of the defensive linemen. But he's done an adequate job on the inside for sure. Chase Claypool pool gone at wide receiver. Chris Fink gone at wide receiver. Obviously the two primary targets of that position. Jalen Elliott, a leader, a steady, steady player back there. He's gone. Defensive ends, Jameer Jones, Khalid Kareem, Julian Acquire, all of them were top-rated recruits. Obviously, Acquire got hurt, wasn't quite able to live up what he wanted to. And frankly, I think Khalid Kareem, although he played great against Navy and is coming on strong here late, underachieved a little bit this year. Cornerback, here's a big loss, and I think you could make a case that this is the biggest loss on the entire team among the senior group. You could obviously say Claypool. Troy Pride Jr., That's a that cornerback position really lacks depth, and you don't really know what you're going to get next year. To, to, so to lose Troy Pride Jr., I think, is a huge hit. Uh, Dante Vaughn from that cornerback position is gone as well. 
And uh, offensive lineman who's had to fill in admirably with all the injuries up front there on that right side, Trevor Rulin, is gone as well. Rags, this group started out, when this group came in, their first year was 2016, and that was that miserable 4-8 and eight season. Boy, have they turned it around. Um, you know, they, from after that 2016, they're 10-3 and three in 17, 12-1 last year, and now a chance at a third straight 10-year, 10-win uh, season this, this time around since they're sitting at 8-2. and two. And I like that somebody asked Brian Kelly the question, you know, what was going through these guys' mind after the 4-8 and eight season when they have to it, – it's on them to rebuild? Certainly there were some, you know – Residual benefits, um, they didn't seem to be benefits at the time, but they learned quite a bit you know, from that season in terms of, um, I think, the preparation and the locker room and all the things that are necessary to continue to uh, build on your culture. And so some of those guys are leaders today that have been able to make sure that um, no one takes our process for granted and that you continue to work on it every day. So that experience definitely benefited those guys uh, in their senior year. You know, I get emotional just leading them, you know, and, and so I don't know that it comes down to one day. I mean, look, you, you get emotional watching these guys succeed and um, struggle. Um, so it's just not the one day. I mean, I, I think if it comes down to one day, then – I don't know what you're doing the other days of the year. Um, no, we have three more games. So, yeah, it'll, it'll be one where they're not playing in Notre Dame Stadium again. Um, but uh, I think what will be much more emotional is the last game that they play. Yeah, it's got to be hard for head coaches, Todd. All, all across the country, it's all got to blend together. I don't know how one right. class would become, you know, more special than another, unless, of course, you win a national championship. But to, wa- <laughs> right, right. to watch this group grow up and have its highs and lows, how is that any different from the four before the we? You know, so it's it's got to be difficult because there's you know a lot more freshmen coming in, and it's just yeah. it's just their job. It, but it, you can tell there in his voice, some of that's legit. Some of that is. You know, being choked up and getting emotional. I guess you got to make extra connections with some players than you do with others. It seems to me the guys that really emerge as leaders on your team over that four years that really mature. They come in as this green freshman, but by the time they leave, they're a, a team captain. Sometimes, like in the case of Drew Tranquil, a two-time team captain. I just think you'd have more of an affinity to those type type of guys. Because they are on the same page with you the whole time, and they're helping to push and preach your message. And, I, and those are the types of guys I think that the coaches would gravitate a little bit more. But you're right. I mean, they, it just one class leaves, the next comes in, and one <laughs> class leaves. You know, you know. So it, it is does have kind of that churning effect. But uh, you know, you're gonna you're gonna remember some classes differently than others. You know, some very fondly. Some you think, well, that group wasn't so hot. But uh, certainly, you'd never admit that publicly. But I'm with you, Rags. It would be hard to sort of uh, disseminate what which which players and which teams are, are are better than the others when it comes to affinity. Well, and especially the the group that starts four and eight. They probably start four and eight and go. Well, what did I do here? Did I pick the yeah, right sure. school? And then to watch it come to fruition and eventually pay off with a run in the playoffs and and some really good seasons after that. That's got to be satisfying to these group of uh, seniors uh, for sure. Well, if they can get it done, and I think they will, and win ten again this year, you know it'll be the first time going all the way back to the early nineties that Notre Dame has won ten straight uh, in three straight. You know that goes has to go back to the Lou Holtz glory days. So. Indeed, a class that starts out at four and eight, kept its will, kept it together, 
turned into a lot of great players, and certainly there are a lot of great. Uh, there's a lot of potential draft power here too, heading to the NFL in 2020. Here, well, that, I, that, that draft. I guess the extra question is: Will this be the quarterback's last game at Notre Dame Stadium? No, it won't. By the way, um, I won't give you my source, but Ian Book <laughs> will be back. Um, and let, let's go down the guys that have um, that can come back. Right. These are other seniors. They will be introduced on the field at Senior Day, but they may be introduced at Senior Day again next year. Um, there's eleven of them, and we'll kind of we'll, 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 drags. If you want to jump in on any of these go as we go it. down the way, uh, you mentioned Ian Book, quarterback. I, I'm certain. Uh, I'm pretty cer- solid in my sources that he will indeed be back. Uh, Sean Crawford, cornerback. I thought he had already been here for 10 years, but apparently he has another <laughs> year of point. eligibility. That's a good point. <laughs> uh, Liam Eichenberg, uh, left offensive tackle. He's already announced that he will be back. Yep. Yep. I assume Tommy Kramer will be back as well, another offensive lineman. The offensive linemen always kind of stick around and, and get all the work they can for, for uh, obvious reasons when it comes to the NFL. Here's an interesting one to me, Alohi Gilman. Uh, still has a year of eligibility. I think he will be gone. The talented safety, great leader, great player. Sure. I think his time, you know, because uh, you know he was at Navy, he was a transfer, had to sit out a year. Um, so I think he's out of here. We'll have to wait and see there. Uh, defensive end Dalen Hayes, who was injured earlier this year, he will be back. He's announced that. Uh, defensive end Ade Ogundeji, I think he'll be back as well. Uh, he's a great player. Had to play behind Kareem and Okwara most of this year. Had some moments, had some really solid moments this year. Great player, needs another year. I think he'll be back. Uh, linebacker Jonathan Jones. I, I don't have a lot to say about him because I don't really know a lot about him. I don't know if they'll allow him to come back, frankly, but they probably would. Uh, depth at linebacker is never a bad thing. Maybe the most interesting one to me is right here running back Tony Jones Jr. Mm. Had a chance to talk to him exclusively for a couple stories I was working on for UND.com and a game program. I tried to get him to tip off, but he would not, so uh, I didn't get anywhere with that. The last two are wide receiver Javon McKinley. I think with Claypool and Fink gone and him having a decent year this year, at least semi, I wouldn't call it a bust-out year, but he made a few plays and, and did some good things. I would assume he'd be back. And then long snapper John Shannon don't long snap long snappers just don't leave. You can't get rid of them unless you have to get rid of them. So that's kind of your list of guys there when you go down uh, the list of seniors. And I think most of those guys are going to be back. I don't know what the record is uh, for taking back a fifth year senior. They did recruit a smaller class this year, uh, so indeed it looks like perhaps Notre Dame was preparing for this uh, ahead of time. And I think there's something to be said for that. Um, this group. When you couple it with the last group of eight that we talked about, we discussed the 10-win seasons in a row, but we what we didn't get to is just how well these guys have played at home. And I think it is really interesting. You know, Notre Dame has now won 17 straight at home, which is fourth in the country. And if they can beat Boston College, it'll be the second straight undefeated season, two in a row, the only loss over the last three years was that Georgia loss, that tough one, that 20 to 19 loss. That goes all the way back to 17. That's when the streak obviously started. And if indeed they can go undefeated and beat Boston College, and Notre Dame is a 20 point favorite, so you would assume they would, it will be Brian Kelly's fourth undefeated season at home. As much as we, we get after him, man, he's starting to post some interesting numbers. He went undefeated in 12, obviously, the national championship game run, 15. 18 and potentially 19. So 
you know, for all the griping we do, he really has this thing turned around. And that home field advantage certainly wasn't always the case, especially early in Brian Kelly's career and even going back to a Willingham and a Weiss and even back to Bob Davey. So Brian Kelly was asked about the pride that he has in winning all these home games in a row. Yeah, our players take great pride uh, in protecting, you know, their 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 house, if you will. Um, it's, it's been a big source of pride in terms of our summer workouts. Um, it's, uh, it's 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 clearly a goal of ours. Um, winning at home is important. Um, it sets up your schedule because you're generally playing six, seven games at home. Uh, it sets up your year. So, yeah, we take a great deal of pride on it. We have a you know, great student following. Uh, we love playing in front of our students and our fans. Um, and it's a great atmosphere. And the cynic in me would say, how many big top 10 teams have they beaten at home in that time span? But that's okay. It right, is right. You, you play who you have to play on your schedule. Not all the time are you, you, can you line up four years ahead of time, know who's going to be good or not. So you give credit where credit's due. But I know there's plenty of fans out there saying, boy, there's some home games I wish we, you know, Way back when, we would have won. Uh, but, uh, again, the cynic in me. I'm not going to do that today. I'm going to stay positive, Todd, as long as I possibly Come can. Come on, it's senior week. It's senior <laughs> it's, it day, is. Rags. I, you know, and I want to gripe about the scheduling that Notre Dame's been doing. Um, I'm going to save it for next week, but um, it's going to go to your point. I think it's time to bust up this antiquated scheduling. You know, do you have to play in California in the last game of the season every season? What what made that a special tradition you know, and just a lot of other things. I think it's time to ditch Navy. A lot of other schools, especially in the SEC, are finally stepping out of their comfort zone and playing in other conferences in really elite non-conference games. Notre Dame has to find a way to keep up with that since they yep. don't have a conference championship yep. game, and I want to break that down a little further. That's a good uh, point. They, they just don't have a choice because if, if they're going to let these other teams do it and they're going to play a home schedule like they played this year, I don't even know if undefeated will get them into the playoffs. No, and when you got your season tickets this year and you saw the games that they were playing, don't tell me you didn't get disappointed because there was just not there's not a game that really had sizzle on that home schedule there. No, no. Uh, and, and maybe that's and, why they didn't sell out. Yeah, <laughs> and, and yeah, right. It's true. And you know, and this was one of the few times Navy was actually ranked coming in right. last week too. Right. So, uh yeah, I often scratch my head Stanford is it necessary? I don't know. Um I get the USC thing, but sure. I, uh, but yeah, I don't know. We we you're right to dedicate a whole show to it probably would be better. Let's uh let's talk hoops real quick and we'll start with the men well, that, I, I want to well, dive into BC for a little oh, bit. Oh, I'm sorry. You, yeah, AJ Dillon, we got to talk just, about yeah, we kind of yeah, yeah. that's, we're, that's we're, all you need. I'm that's looking that's at the clock you. and I forgot we, there is one person you have to stop on BC and if you stop him, I think all things will fall into place. Yeah, check it out though. Uh AJ Dillon who's actually the grandson of former Notre Dame wide receiver, a great one back in the day, uh Tom Gatewood. Check this out, and you're right. We don't have to talk anybody about anybody beyond A.J. Dillon, the 250-pound batter in the Ram. The guy's amazing. Ten games this year, 1,451 yards, 13 TDs. That puts him as, as number three in the country at 145.1 yards per game. For his career, he's over 4,000 yards, his three-year career. He's only a junior, and 37 touchdowns. Man, this guy is a beast, but they don't have anything to go around him. Uh, it's a really bad defense, which is surprising because seventh-year coach Steve Adazio was a Michigan State defensive coordinator. Um, they're giving up 486.9 yards per game, 
ranked at 128th overall out of 130 teams in defense, and that's why you can't just hang all your hat on A.J. Dillon. It's the 24th meeting between these two teams. Notre Dame is 14-9 and in the series and has won six straight. And uh, B, uh, BC's fighting for its bowl life. They have to beat either Notre Dame this weekend or win at Pitt. If they do neither, Steve Adazio is gone, even though he's led this team to five bowls in six seasons and has probably been the best coach they've had in a long time there. But it won't be good enough with a new AD. Yeah. How's that? Yeah, that was <laughs> seems seemed a little rough, uh, but, but yeah, thank you. You did a great job. And we got to pick the game, too. So I, I was skipping over a lot of things. I think Notre Dame's <laughs> offense will roll again. Uh, I can't see anything there to stop them. Um, I would say probably about 45 to 10 they're going to win this. Man, I, you know, I'll give them two scores, BC. 45-17. Uh, A.J. Dillon's probably going to run it in twice. I, yeah, I don't know, man. The way Notre Dame's piling it up, I keep thinking they're going to call off the dogs, but they don't, and I don't know necessarily think that's their own fault. <laughs> they're just kind of rolling in. I, it's another lousy opponent. It's uh, Mean Book's going to get off to a, another quick start. Senior day. I'm going to go 42-7 to seven in this one, Rags. All right. Now we'll talk about the hoops. Sorry about How that. How dare you try to dismiss BC. <laughs> in Notre Dame, the men, uh, TJ Gibbs, uh, Fluger, these guys are stepping up a little bit. They, they struggled a bit at home against Toledo, but they did get an overtime win. So they're racking up a couple of wins here or there. Uh, but I, I see in your notes, jury's still out, and I watched them. That's absolutely right. It's hard to tell uh, where this team's going to go, what road they're actually going to take. Yeah, it's hard to tell because the level of competition hasn't been so terrific. They've won five after the North Carolina loss. They've won five in a row during a six-game homestand here. Uh, they'll wrap that up Tuesday against Farley Dickinson. Uh, the games of note since last week certainly you have to mention the Friday night game last Friday night, Mooney versus Marshall. Almost uh, Notre Dame's Mooney versus Marshall, but you could almost call it Mooney versus Marshall. Uh, he scored uh, John Mooney scored twenty-eight points, which was a career high, and grabbed sixteen boards. It earned him ACC and National Player of the Week honors. What was funny is Mike Bray talked about afterwards. He said that Mooney had never, even with all those double-doubles, 20-some last year, was never named ACC Player of the Week. <laughs> I could not hardly <laughs> believe that. He was, he was top five in rebounding, and I want to say I think he was the best defensive rebounder in conference games. Uh, but anyhow, they won that game 74-64, a little ornery at times, but not bad. They never trailed in that game. Presbyterian then comes around Monday. This was all part of this uh, men's versus breast cancer sort of round-robin five-team sort of pool play tournament. Not so much a tournament, but whoever had the best pool play record among those four games got the trophy. Notre Dame ended up snagging it. Uh, Presbyterian, Mooney was sick and had to sit out on Monday. Uh, Juwan Durham came in and filled in admirably with 11 points, 15 boards, which was a career high. His second career double-double. Uh, Nate Lashesky had 11 points and six rebounds starting for Mooney. Won that game 63-53. And then uh, Thursday night, Toledo, that was an ornery one. And I knew it was going to be because the Rockets are a really good basketball team. They've won 48 games the last two seasons. They had 25 wins last year. Uh, the Rockets were up seven points, Rags, with yeah. 2.30 to go. And yeah. they kind of botched that up. The coach was ticked afterwards. Uh, Notre Dame got to within three with 1.5 seconds left. They really didn't cover Leshevsky on an out-of-bounce play. He turns fire, sends it to overtime. The thing I enjoyed about it was Nate Leshevsky had, well, he was 2 of 16 shooting three-pointers this year, yet Mike Bray still had the confidence to call his number in this critical situation, and he delivered. Sent it to overtime. Rex Fluger makes a nice play on the baseline, uh, sort of a backdoor cut. 
And they get it done. 64-62. It wasn't easy. Five straight wins now, Rags, there. Uh, So we'll have to wait and see. They play Maryland in a couple weeks here, and that'll tell us a little bit more. Well, what I loved about the way they won, defense won the game uh, with T.J. Gibbs and and really some big steals at the end, and and I love when that happens. Uh, No matter how late in the game it is and what the competition is, if defense wins, I'm always about that. You know. Yeah, well... No, go ahead. No, No, go. I, I totally agree with you because Toledo came in as, I believe, um, the 15th ranked team in the country. It might have even been better. Yeah, I think they're number 15 in the country, averaging 89 points a game. So Notre Dame shuts them down, uh, holds them to 62 in an overtime game. So the the, the Irish defense has been there, still kind of waiting for this team to score and shoot, though, man. I don't know what is, what the problem is there. Yeah, and then you look at the women. I mean, we've talked about it all all year, the inexperience, and the it's just a whole new team. Uh, and, you know, shockingly, not in the top 25, Todd. Right. And that was uh, when that came down earlier in the week. I'm like, oh, that's uh, that's a little disappointing. But it's not that surprising considering the struggles they've had early in the year. Yeah, when you lose what you lost, and then you're 3-2, and two, you lost back-to-back games to Tennessee and Michigan State. They also played Toledo, and it was not easy, Rags. This team was down. The Irish were down nine late in this thing, and then were able to claw back and win it uh, 54-51. So Toledo got kind of a double whammy on blowing big leads late in this game at Purcell Pavilion, now that I think about it. Uh, Sam Brunell, your freshman, you're going to be hearing her name on about every one of these shows, uh, recorded her first career double-double against um, Toledo, 19 points, 13 boards, they will be in action. The women will Saturday 1 p.m. at number 21 Michigan. So we'll have to wait and see if that drops them to 500. If they can pull off what I think what would be a bit of an upset, beating a ranked team on the road. All right, Todd, we are just about out of time. But tell everybody the hockey schedule before we get out of here. Yeah, the hockey will be up at Michigan State this weekend. It's a team they've really dominated. I believe they're 8-1-1 in the last 10 tries um, against the Spartans. The Irish are ranked number 3 in the country at 8-1-1. They lost at Minnesota last week, and it was their first loss of the season. They went into that uh, series with Minnesota, that back-to-back doubleheader there. Uh, they went in 7-0-1, which was the longest unbeaten streak to start a season in Notre Dame program history, Rags. All right, Todd, great show as always. I want to thank D.O. McComb Sons Funeral Homes for hooking us up and being your proud sponsor of the Blue Gold Report. Follow us and uh, share and review us. Do whatever you need to do. I'm at Rags92.3. He's at Todd Burledge. Todd, we will do this all over again next week. Yep, we'll wrap her up for the season, man. This has been a presentation of Optin Productions. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.